0: Uh, all right hey we're going to get back into a practice that we were doing prior to the summer but we got out, and if you are able if you're able to stand we're going to stand for the reading of the word if you cannot stand that's okay maybe just change your posture in some way uh, we're just trying to get in the habit of honoring god's word uh, and and when we when we're reading a large chunk of scripture we're going to try to stand so uh, i'm going to be in uh, John chapter fifteen. Verse 5, which is uh, towards the back half, like in my Bible, it's like back around in like this section. So if you want to turn back there, that would be great. And here is what it says. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. But if you remain in me, you are like a branch. I'm sorry. But if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay one's life down for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Heavenly Father, I'm just so thankful Uh, for the truth of your word that guides us, that instructs us. Lord, I thank you for your spirit that is here present with us as your people and in us individually. And I pray that you'll just speak whatever it is on your heart to say tonight, Lord, and that you help me just to yield to you. And whatever's not from you, God, I just pray that my friends would be able to ignore it uh, and and not let it go to heart. But if it's from you, Lord, let let it get into our minds and our hearts and change us so we're more formed into more of the image of Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. All right, so we are in a series called Flourish. And we're looking at what does it mean uh, for, like, what's God's heart for us to flourish in our spiritual life? Um, That we said, we kind of started uh, spending kind of a chunk of time last week saying, like, look, it's God's heart that each one of us flourish in our life with him, that we thrive in our life with him. And we said, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be easy, that we're not going to have any problems or challenges. Actually, Jesus promises that there will be challenges, that there will be hard things, uh, there will be difficulties, but... Just like a tree, certain kind of trees can thrive in any kind of environment. Think about a Joshua tree in the desert or a palm tree on a sandy beach or a pine tree up in somewhere in the mountains. Like we're made that way so that we can flourish wherever God has planted us. And we said that there are these five kind of areas of our life uh, that we're going to be looking at over the next couple weeks that are kind of like these, um, these ways that while the spiritual part of our life is our priority, there are these other aspects of our life that God has invested in us. And he's asking us to manage those areas or steward those areas really well. So he's like giving us this investment, and then he's asking us to like invest in those areas really well. And so we called those the five capitals. You remember? It was what we talked about last week. The five capitals. So just by way of refresher, here's what they are. Spiritual, relational, physical, intellectual, and financial. I remember we said capital is something that I have, something something I have in my possession that I can invest to get something else. Okay? So that's what we talked about that last week. We're going to talk today about spiritual capital. What is it? What does it look like to flourish in it? How do we how do we grow in it? Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about this week. Now, there are two things that I think I can with pretty certain pretty much certainty say is true about almost every person here in this room tonight. The first thing is this. I think that you are here tonight, unless someone made you be here, and I know that's probably, you know, some of you, let's be honest, all right? If if you chose to be here, it's because there is something that you believe about being here because you think that somehow being here will help you grow in your relationship with God. And you're here because you have a desire to somehow grow in your relationship with God. You want your spiritual life to get better. I think I can pretty well say that like 95% of you in the room, you're like, yep, that describes me. I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want my spiritual life to get better. Okay, so that's one thing. The second thing I think, well, no, I know to be 100% true is that that is something that God wants for you too. God wants you to grow in your relationship with him. He wants you to grow and deepen your connection with him, to know more about what he's like. So I think let's start off on a really, really good foot. You and God want the same thing. Isn't that good news? Because so often it feels like, oh, this is like a wrestling match. We're like duking it out. It's like, no. No. God wants you to know him, and you're here because you want to know him, and this just like for me gives me a ton of confidence. I'd be like, okay, God, we're on the same page. Now, that doesn't necessarily make it easy to, we're going to talk about some of those challenges that can come on the way down the road, but, but it's for me really freeing to know I want to get closer to God, and God wants to, me to get closer to him too, Right? As a matter of fact, like Jesus has a lot to say about the reason why he came. He says, I came to seek and save those who are lost. It's like Jesus, like, I'm here for you. I don't know if you know this or not. Like he says elsewhere that he came to reveal the father. So he comes like, I want to show you what the father in heaven is really like. That's the whole reason why I came. He tells his disciples that he came so that we could have an abundant life, a life with him. Guys, you should be happy about that. Why aren't any of you smiling? Like, this is really good news because the rest of the religious world out there, outside of our faith in Christianity, the gods want something from you. In our faith, God wants to give himself to you. That's awesome, right? And that should give us like, oh. And maybe you've never thought about this that way before. I know I have to remind myself of this every single day. Because oftentimes, I feel like it's my job to kind of make my spiritual life happen, okay? And we're going to talk about how our, our, how, where our effort comes in, but the good news is you and God want the same thing, and that's a really, really good thing. And I think it's easy to make, uh, make this way more complicated than it needs to be if we kind of start off on the wrong foot. And we think that it's primarily our effort and our choice, but, but the reality is If you are here and that's what you want, then you are taking the first step towards making the most important choice you can make in your life. Because investing in spiritual capital, growing your relationship with God, is the most important investment that you can make. I can say that with 100% certainty. Every area of your life, every single area of your life doesn't go with you into eternity. It doesn't. We don't know... Like, what it's going to be like after the return of Jesus. So I don't know, like, what all the money that I might make in this world, I can't take that with with me. My house, I can't take that with me. I don't know what what my mind is going to be like. I mean, a lot of people think that they know, but we just don't know. Like, we don't know. Like, so all the smarts in the world, they benefit you here. But what is the benefit in eternity? Even the relationships that we form, like, we don't know what those are going to be like on the other side. Like, we, we, do, we just don't know. Every single area of our life, like, they all take a backseat to our spiritual life because it's the only thing that actually starts now and goes all the way into eternity. When Jesus tells his disciples that to know him is to have eternal life, he's like, look, you get a taste of what it's going to be like forever and ever and ever. I don't know about you, but I want more of that right now. And I think, that, I think that you do too. So it's the most important investment that we can make. Just a couple scriptures to kind of frame our thinking. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 37. Don't worry about turning it. It'll be up here on the screen. Uh, Jesus is talking to the crowd, um, <clears throat> and he says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. For what good is, someone, for what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What Jesus is getting at is like your soul is at stake. Like your very life is at stake. And everything else in this life, it's worth it to lose all of that and gain this everlasting relationship with God. Like, that, that's what Jesus is saying. And a couple chapters later in Mark chapter 10, here's what Jesus says. Truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for me in the gospel. So you can give up all of these things. None of those things that you've given up. If you do all of that, you, will, you won't fail to receive a hundred times more. Who would like a hundred times more? Yes, this is a worthy investment, right? A hundred times more in this present age and uh, in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and along with persecutions, right? So we're not preaching a prosperity gospel that says your life's gonna get better and better. There's going to be persecution, but in the middle of all of that, it's going to be better. This is the promise of Jesus. And he's saying this is a worthy exchange. You would actually be foolish to not invest in your spiritual life. So again, good news, guys. You are making a wise choice. Every single one of you who are here is saying, I want to learn more about this. Like, you're making a really, really wise choice. This is the best possible investment that you can make. And the goal here, as we've been talking about, is to flourish in this particular area in our spiritual life. Now, before I get into, like, the nuts and bolts of this, I think this is absolutely critical, I think, for us to think about. All, all that I'm about to say about praying and talking to God and all that kind of stuff, It's all empty religious practices if the God of heaven wasn't already pursuing you. You hear it? I want you to hear this. Here's, let me tell you the gospel. God loved you so much that before you could do anything or choose him, he chose you. He knew every mistake that you would make and he still loved you. And he still decided, I want that one in my family. And he has been pursuing you before you could ever pursue him. And his grace is upon you, and all you have to offer is your surrender. Okay? He has made an incredible deposit in your life. The moment that you said yes to, I I think I want to know this, Jesus, he made you a new creation. And he put his Holy Spirit in you. You are a brand new person in him. Right? So here's what we're not talking about. We're not talking about how to be saved because Jesus saves. You got it. It's so so important. The moment Jesus became your savior, it, like the like your future was set. God is pursuing you, and not the other way around. In that passage that I read, what does Jesus say? You didn't choose me; I chose you. That is really good news. Let me, can I just talk to those of you who've been Christians for a long time? A minute. If you're a baby Christian, plug your ears for a second, okay? <laughs> There are a lot of us who know, who get into theological debates about what that means. Stop it. What it means is Jesus loves you and has loved you since before you were ever born. Take it at that and be okay with that and rejoice in your salvation. Can we be okay with that? Okay? All right. Thank you. I said before church, I wasn't going to preach and here I am. God chose you. And that's really good news. Remember the story of the prodigal son? For those of you who remember this story, it's this parable that Jesus tells about how uh, a son wandered away from his family and he squandered the family fortune, so to speak. And he, and he finds himself in a destitute situation and he decides that he's gonna go running back to, to home to go back and beg his way back into the family uh, fortune. God, let, let me back in your house. And when Jesus tells this, this story, he says, while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and he ran to him. The moment that you decided to turn back around, the Father was ready to meet you. Like, he is running to you. Yes. I, this is so important because here's what we're going to talk about in a second. We're talking talk about quiet times and praying and listening for God's voice. You're going to believe that you have to, like, get better at it, work really hard at it. God is ready to meet with you. The God of It's already been decided. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins so that you could go to heaven with you die, then you should believe that that Jesus wants to meet with you every day. All right, cool. Okay, good. We're through that. Here's what, I, here's what helps me think about it. The Father has made an internal investment in you, and he's given everything that you need. And don't take my word for it. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3 says this, his divine power. So his power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. That's good news everything you need for a godly life for a life with him god's already given it to you i think about it this way your bank account is full like you ever like get like low on your bank account and you're like oh my gosh is there enough money in there like you don't have to worry about that with jesus it's already full he's already invested all of the resources of heaven they're at your disposal for him it's, it's almost like there's like he's given you this incredible, this, this like trust fund almost. And saying, here it is, here's this, here is this. Everything you will ever need, it's right here for you. All I'm asking of you is to invest this well. All I'm asking for you to do is make sure that you invest this well. And whatever you need, it's gonna be right here when you need it. But just all I'm asking for you is to take advantage of what I've given you. If someone gave you a million dollars you would be foolish to not take advantage of the million dollars that you've been given, right? Now, you can decide what you want to do with that. And so what God has said, I made a great deposit. um, In the Bible, often it talks about the Holy Spirit's relationship with us as a deposit in our life. This is a deposit. It's a guarantee of things to come. And so it's up to us to steward those things well, and that is how we step into a flourishing life with God. It's about stewarding what God has put in. So what, what is flourishing? What does it look like? Well, we said last week that flourishing is about faithfulness and fruitfulness. Flourishing within, in all these different areas is about faithfulness and fruitfulness. Faithfulness is this. Let's define these. Faithfulness is simply this. Faithfulness is getting to know him so that you can know his voice and do whatever he's asking in any situation. That's what faithfulness is. It's not just following a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not getting it right all the time. It's learning how to hear his voice, how to get to know him so that you know his voice, so that he can, you can partner with him in any and every situation. That's what faithfulness is really about. Let me just break that down really quickly. Let's, let's start with the second part, doing what he says. Here's what Jesus says about that. In John, uh, this is 15, verse 9. As the fathers loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be complete and your joy may be complete. And then a f- couple of verses later in verse 14 you are my friends if you do what I command. Okay, there are two things that are true here I want you to hear. First of all, whatever God asks you to do is for his joy and your joy. Do you see that in those verses? I've told you this so that my joy may complete be complete and that your joy may be complete. So when God asks us to do something, to walk out whatever it is that he's saying to do, it's so that it brings delight to his heart and it will bring delight to your heart. Now, let's just be honest that doesn't always feel that way in the front end. Has God ever asked you to do something you're like, this is not gonna be fun, right? Yeah. But here's what I know, anytime the Lord would ask you to do that, even though sometimes it's hard, it's always really good. God is never going to ask you to do something where there's not joy on the other side of it. It's he not in his nature. It doesn't mean it's gonna be joyful to do the thing, to go and ask for, for forgiveness, to write a check that you weren't thinking about writing a check, right? To serve in the kids' ministry that you don't really, you know what I'm saying? Like, there are all these different things that we're all like, yeah, that doesn't sound very fun, but I promise you, if the Lord is asking you to do it, there's joy for you in it, okay? And there's joy for him in it, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, and you guys know this is true, let's like take this out of the realm of the spiritual and mystical, like, how do you demonstrate that you love someone, Well, one of the ways that you demonstrate you love someone is by doing things that they love, right? So if someone says to you, you know what, I really, really love it when you do X, and then you never do X, like that's a very kind of difficult way to demonstrate you love them. Or the opposite is true. If someone says, you know what, it really, really bothers me when you do X, and then you keep doing X, do you see this? So like, when Jesus asks us to do something, when we're following his promptings and things he's asking us to do, it demonstrates our love for him. Do you see this? In the same way it does in our human relationships, it's no different. Husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about right now. And it's not always easy, right? Right? But have you ever, I'm just going to, I'm sorry for those of you who are single, but, but you probably can figure this out in, in different scenarios in life. If you've ever done something necessarily you didn't like, like doing, but you knew your spouse really, it was important to them. There's joy for you in it. It's on the other side, right? I better see some husbands nodding their heads because you know it's true, right? When we love someone it, we do what they love, our actions reveal our affections. You see it? Our actions reveal our affections. But the question is, so that's the second part. The first part is, how do you know what he's asking you to do? How do you know how to hear God's voice? Well, let me just, again, let's take this out of the realm of the spiritual and just take it practical. How do you get to know someone? You spend time with them. And then when you spend time with that person, what do you normally do? You talk, you have conversations. Sometimes you don't have conversations. Some of of us get to know people by doing certain activities together, like, you know, let's go on a hike together, let's go, you know, whatever. Some of us, like, bond over coffee. You know what I'm saying? There are all different these ways, like, when you get to know someone, you have conversations, you do things that they enjoy, you just be with one another. What if I told you that getting to know God is no different than that? It isn't any different than that. Now, look, I, the elephant in the room in here is like there's not a physical presence of God right next to me. I'm not, I can't like put my arm around buddy Jesus over here, right? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to trust me with something, okay? If you are willing to listen and lean in and spend time with God, you will grow in your relationships with him that his presence will be more real to you than any physical person. Um, Let me just just take a poll. For those, there's probably some of you who have been walking with the Lord for a long time. Have you ever experienced that in your life where I like know the presence of God is undeniably real? Now, if you didn't raise your hand, I don't want you to feel any shame. I'm giving this so that you know that this is possible. There have been times in my life that I would rather have Jesus than any person on the earth because the only one that knows my heart and there are times where his presence has been has been so real in my life. Uh, I, don't, I don't talk about this kind of stuff a lot. A lot, but I was like, I might die. <laughs> like I, I, this is like, I, and the only way that happens is by learning to like know what his voice sounds like. And the only way you know what his voice sounds like is by listening, right? By having conversations. And so, learning how to hear God's voice and building friendship with Him is no different. Than building friendship with any with anyone, getting to know other people. I mean, let me just be honest. Like this whole book, this is the Bible, is full of some things that God already wants you to know. He's already revealed His heart in here. It's like when people are like, "Yeah, I don't feel like God is speaking." It's like, "Yeah, for sure, He He is. I I I promise you. There, I promise you that that He is. He's already given like this whole book for you to know." what he's like. Now, I'm not saying that's always easy to understand what's in the Bible. There are things I read, I'm like, are you sure, God? like, did you want that in there? Right? I'm not saying it's already easy, but how many of you have had to learn in your relationships what a person is really like? Right? Like, you think you know someone, and then you realize, oh no, there's a whole lot more where I need to get to know this person. And I've discovered in my reading of the Bible, and my understanding, and my relationship with God, there's always something new to discover. Just about the time I think I've got them figured out, or I'll, like, encounter something that's like, I don't really get that about you. And instead of that being something that pushes me away, I've learned to lean in. It's like, oh, God, there's something, there's something else here that you need to do. So, so I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying it's simple. You know what I mean? Like... Like, going to the gym and working out isn't easy, but it's simple, right? It's like, you know it's, it will be good for you if you do it, but there's a lot of reasons why you might not do it. And so, that's the same thing with the Bible. So, so, I just want you to know, like, God has revealed some things in here. He wants you to know about his heart. And I'm going to say this again in a minute, but if that's a, 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 like a sticking point for you, there's a whole lot of people in this room who would be more than happy to walk through that journey with you. And help you understand, you should never, ever, ever feel like, I'm alone in this. I'm the only person who's ever asked this question, baloney. Like, that's not true. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you should never, ever be alone in this. So more, more than that, not only has God given us his word, he's also given us his spirit. So the moment that you said, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus, God put his spirit in your heart. And you can actually learn to hear his voice. Where that, and, and chances are, I've had a couple conversations about this recently. God has been speaking to you all along. You just didn't know that that's what was happening. There's been a lot of times where someone's like, God just doesn't speak to me. And then we start unpacking the conversation. It's like, God has been speaking to you this whole entire time. Like, come, like, you just didn't know it. That gentle tap on the shoulder that, like, that you just kind of shrugged off, that was the Lord. I can look back at my, time, in my life and see times where it was like, oh, yeah. I just ignored it because it wasn't what I wanted to hear, right? I'm telling you, God has been speaking to you for a long time. He's been calling you even before you knew it. Like, his voice is there in your life, and you can learn how to listen to his voice. Also, one of the best ways that you can learn to get to know someone is by doing the things that they enjoy, It's been amazing to me the things I've learned about God, not in my study about God, but in just doing the things that God loves for us to do. Let me tell you something. God loves people who are the last, the least, the lost, and the lonely. And I guarantee you, if you spend time with those people, you will discover something about the heart of God you can't discover any other way. God loves it when we pray for people for all different kinds of things. And there are things I've discovered about who God is and praying for people I never would have discovered any other way. There have been times where we share the good news with someone or try to share hope or encouragement with somebody. And in those moments, I've discovered things about God I wouldn't have discovered any other way because you get to know someone by doing the things that they love. Do you see what I mean? And so here's what I would say to you. If you're like newer in the faith and you're like, I'm still trying to figure this stuff out, uh, the best way to do it is just to step in. Just step in. Or if you're like, you know what, I I know a lot, but I've been kind of distant from this relationship with God for a little while. You don't need like a warm up. Just step right in. You know what I'm saying? It is, we were just talking about this in our house. It's a scientific fact. Uh, I know nothing about science, but I know it's a scientific fact. That if you dip your toe in water, right, and you're like, oh, is it cold? Like, and and you're like, yeah, it's cold. It's going to be harder for you to get in it than if you just jump in. Just jump in. Jump in with what you know to be true about God. Uh, Who in here has questions? I've got questions. God, I don't get this. I don't understand this. If you wait until all your questions will be answered, Jesus will return, and you will have missed it. Like, just, like, don't do it. Jump in. Trust Jesus with the stuff you don't. Do you know that the disciples didn't have a fully worked out theology? Yes. Did you know, do you know that? When Jesus called his disciples, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. He was like, hey, you guys, come and follow me. They're like, okay, sure. And they, they're still like, this guy, this guy's our king. He's going to conquer the baddie Romans, and so at one point in time, they're like mad at one village that don't resent. They're like, hey, Jesus, um, would it be cool if we like called down fire from heaven and destroyed everybody right now? Is that okay? And what does Jesus do? He's like, um, no, that's not what we're going to do. Like, you know, he doesn't send them away. Depart from me. I never knew you. And this like, no, that's not what happens. It's not until way after Christians are like working out, what are the implications that Jesus is both God and man? Right? So if you don't have that figured out, join the club. I'm not saying that theology isn't important. I'm saying just say yes to what you know right now and trust him with the stuff that you don't know. That's what we're all doing. We're all distrusting him with what we know. And again, it might take effort, but like anything, it gets better with time. It gets better with time. One of the joys I have as a pastor is being able to journey with people over a period of time, over a length of time, and watching them grow closer in their relationship with God over a long period of time. It's just so fun. Like, it's, always, it's not often fun in the moment, but if you take a step back, you're like, oh my gosh, that was just awesome. That person some, did something they have never done before, you know, or that person endured that hardship or that difficulty in a way they never would have a number of years ago, right? It just gets better with time. All right, so let's talk about fruitfulness. Fruitfulness It's gonna just be the natural product of faithfulness. It's the natural outgrowth of faithfulness. Healthy trees produce good fruit, right? This is not, again, this is not mysterious spiritual stuff. Healthy trees produce healthy fruit. A healthy branch that's connected to the vine will produce good grapes. It flows out. It's the natural course of walking in friendship with God is to be fruitful. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Here's what he said verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It is the natural process of things that when we stay and we learn to be connected with Jesus, that we will be fruitful people. Here's what fruitfulness is. Fruitfulness is what comes out of our life that's good for God others, and ourself, and specifically things that have eternal value. Fruitfulness is things that are good that just comes out of us that's good for God, others, and ourself. Now, let me just say that if that's all we had, that would be good enough to think about what is fruit. What is fruit? You could just simply just take stock of your life and say, you know what? If I just look at my life right now, it's what's coming out of my life is it good for God? Does it somehow bring him glory? Does it somehow delight his heart? Is it good for the people around me? Is it good for me? Like if you just asked yourself those, those couple questions, you would have a good filter for, is my life fruitful? And if you were to say, yeah, I'm not so sure about that, the goal isn't then to strain to produce better fruit. It's to reestablish connection, right? To get back to faithfulness right? So, but I know for some of you, you're going to want something more tangible. So we're like, hey, what is fruit? So let me give you three specific things that you can kind of like categories of fruitfulness. So in the Bible, here are three categories you can think in terms of fruit. One is about character. So uh, some of you would know the famous passage in Galatians that talks about the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. This is the fruit of something that happens with somebody that's been walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So fruit has to do with character. Oftentimes in the Bible. When the Bible talks about fruit, it's talking about the character that we have. And so one good question, one way to think about our lives is, does, like, does my character look like the character of Jesus? And if it doesn't, remember we don't focus on the fruit, we focus on the faithfulness. Follow me? So I'm not trying to go, oh, i got to fix the fruit. No, I've got to fix the faithfulness. I've got to go back and establish my connection. So fruit has to do with character. So does my, does, the, does, the life, does my life, does my character look like Jesus? Another area of fruitfulness has to do with the things that we do or our works. So Jesus talks about in one place how a tree is judged by its fruit. And in that specific contest, he's actually talking about the things that we do. And so one of the questions we should be asking is not just like, is my internal character the stuff that no one sees? Does that look like Jesus? But do the things that I do look like Jesus? Do I do the kinds of things that look like Jesus? That should be the natural outgrowth of my relationship with him. Uh, So do I spend time with the last, the least, and the lonely? Do I ever pray for people like Jesus did? Um, uh, Do I... uh, do I ever give hope away the way that Jesus did? Do I ever include people that maybe aren't included? These are all, we could come up with a list of these things all night long, but it would be a good way just to think about the fruit of our lives in terms of like, do, does what I do, does it look like Jesus? So that has to do with our work, doing what Jesus did. And the third thing is, this is a little bit, maybe a little bit more challenging if you're newer to the faith, uh, has to do with people and reproducing people. So if we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, God gives this command to Adam and Eve and says, I want you to fill the earth, multiply, and then rule over creation, right? And that context actually like has to do with actually having children, right? But oftentimes, and especially in the life of Jesus, multiplication has to do with actually making other people that look like Jesus. So Jesus is talking to a group of 12 people who he spent a lot of time with, and his goal is that they would become more like him. And at the end of Jesus' ministry, he sends them out and says, I want you to go and do the same stuff. And that's what fruit has to do with it. it. has to, another way to think about fruit is, is my life producing other people around me that look like Jesus? If there's no one around me that looks like Jesus, it might be a time for me to go back and look and say, am I being faithful here, right? So because this is a part of what it looks like, that, that the people around me will become more like him in some way. So it has to do with people. So those are three areas. So this is not a, an exhaustive list, list, but it gives you a target to aim for. What's a flourishing fil- uh, fl- uh, flourishing spiritual life look like? It looks like faithfulness and fruitfulness. It looks like my character becomes more like Jesus. It looks like my actions become more like Jesus. And it looks like the people around me start to become more like Jesus because I'm investing in them. Makes sense? Is that practical enough? Here's how it helps me to think about it. I- I've got to learn how to be with Jesus in order to become more like Jesus so that I can do what Jesus did and help others do the same. So if you like, hey, what's my mission statement? It's right here. If it, like, this is your life. Learn how to be with Jesus, to become more like Jesus, so that you can do what Jesus did and you can help other people do the same. It's not any more complicated than that. Make sense? That said, spiritual capital... And growing in this area is like anything else. And you will have to make some investments here if you want to grow here. This doesn't just happen automatically. I wish it did. We, we've, all, we've said here a number of times, quoting our, our old, uh, old theologian, da- Dallas Willard, that grace is not opposed to effort. Uh, grace is not opposed to effort. So God gives us grace, and then he says, okay, now I want you to do something with what I've given you, right? So he makes an investment and then asks us how to steward it. And so we're going to have to choose what we do with the resources of our life in order to grow in this area because we can't just decide, I'm going to go home tonight and when I grow up tomorrow, I'm going to grow and be faithful, fruitful. There's going to be some choices that we have to make. So if you want to grow in spiritual capital, it's going to cost you and the other capitals. Let me explain that. It's going to cost you some time and energy. You're going to have to choose to spend time praying, reading your Bible, coming to church, being with other believers instead of doing some other things. Let's just be honest. And by the way, you're already doing that. Like you could be fishing, you could be boating, you could be doing anything, not laying in the sun because it's like cruddy and gross outside. But you could be doing a lot of other things right now, but you're choosing to be here. You're making an investment of physical capital. You're giving your time and your energy to be here. If you want to grow in spiritual capital, you've got to invest your physical capital. You're gonna have to spend more time and energy. You're gonna have to give up certain things maybe to have this. It might require that you spend more time with some people and less time with other people. That's relational capital, right? Now, I want to be careful here because here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you shouldn't spend time with your friends and you shouldn't be around people who don't know Jesus. Hopefully, everything I've said prior to this should teach you that that's not what I'm saying, right? But who we spend time with and who we allow to invest in our life is going to be who we become, So here, don't do this right now, but later, you might want to do this. Think about the people you spend the majority of your time with. If you are not very, very careful, you are going to become like those people. So you better decide, is that who you want to be like? Does that make sense? Now, Jesus was able to, like, tow the line here and spend time, and he transformed everybody around him, Right? And so I'm not saying we're supposed to pull away from all of our non-Christian friends. Again, I I don't want you to hear that. But I want want you to hear this. If you want to become more like Jesus, you're going to have to spend time with other people who are on that same journey. It is the the tactic of the enemy to keep you away from that. I I want you to hear hear that right now. it's, It's the enemy's desire to keep you isolated and away from other believers. He'll make you think, uh, I don't fit in, I'm not wanted. He'll, he'll make you think, I'm too far gone. People, I, I'm, I'm way worse than those other people. I, all, all, all you people at church, all those church people, they have, they're like, have it together, and I don't. Like, my story is way worse than your story. Garbage. It's, it's, it, that is a, I can call it garbage, not because you're thinking that way, because it's, it's a lie from the pit of hell. So if you want to be more like Jesus then we've got to break through those lies to be around other people who want to be more like Jesus. That's a whole other message for another time. But. So, but you're going to have to make a relational investment there. It might cost you some intellectual capital. So some things that you don't understand right now, you might have to like learn how to study those things. Like you might watch some Bible project videos. You might read a book. Like... You might learn and and dig into some areas in in order to help you to grow in those particular areas. And it might cost you financial capital. Like, you might have to buy a study Bible, for example. Like, because you're like, I don't understand what's in here. Well, it's like, I might have to like, I might have to get a study Bible. Like, I might have to spend some money on that. You might have to go to a conference and spend a little bit of money to go to that conference. Does that make sense? Like, it might cost you a little bit of money, but I promise you, it is a worthy investment. It's, it's worth it to give up something in order to gain this incredible other thing. So, Jen and I, for example, and uh, Rob, you can come on up, uh, have decided that every year, we're going to take at least one opportunity for our family to go on some sort of, like, spiritual pilgrimage. So we're going to go somewhere together that's going to help us grow as a family deeper, more spiritually. So we've gone to International House of Prayer. We've gone to, um, to we went to Ohio for a family retreat. And, and we've just decided that that is something we're going to do. And that it's worth it for us to do that. And maybe not do one of a normal vacation or something like that that we would do. Because growing this aspect, the spiritual aspect of our family is so important to us. So if our kids have an opportunity to go to WindShape or to one of those things, we've decided as a family, we're gonna try to make that happen if at all possible because we believe that that spiritual investment is the most important investment that we can make in our family. Do you see what I mean? Like, and sometimes it means we don't do this and we do do this instead. And, and, the, and the only reason why I, like, I, I even think in these terms it's because I've put myself around some other believers who have challenged me to do the same thing. This is not because like, oh, I'm so good, and like we've figured, no, we haven't figured anything out. We're just, we, have, we try to find people who look like Jesus and say, tell us how you do it. Like, what did you do? And so we've learned from them, like, yeah, if you want your kids to grow in this way, you're gonna have to make investments in your family like this. Like, if you want to grow in your personal relationship with God, you're gonna have to make these kinds of investments. But remember, this only makes sense because God is pursuing you. If there was a metaphor I had in my mind that was like, make it simple, it's like when I get up in the morning, like, I almost feel like my cup of coffee is poured and waiting for me on the table. That's what my meeting with God is like in the morning. But sometimes like it is not very exciting. Like if you had a window into like my prayer life, You'd be like, that's really boring, too. Like, or you'd be like, that's weird. I'm like, don't do that. But it's going to look different for every person, but here's what I know. I know that God wants to meet with you. If it's not in the morning, it's in the evening. Like, I know that God wants you to have a relationship with him. So you've got to decide what is it that he's calling you to, to step into in faithfulness. And you've got to decide, like, am I willing to look at the life of Jesus and say, does my life look like that? Am I learning how to be with him so that I can become more like him, so I can do the things he does, so that I can help the people around me be more like him? Like, is that the fruit of my life? Is that what I want? And I just really want to encourage you to to ask yourself that question. And and if you're like, yeah, I think that that's what I want, but it's not kind of where I want it to be, like, back up and like, where's God asking you to be faithful? Maybe the first step for you is like, I think I just need to like, it's probably time for me to make some real commitments to how I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm just gonna I'm gonna make commitments, and, and here's the thing: I know a lot of you are like, yeah, I don't know how to do that. Uh, I've heard so many stories of people in the last year of of people who are like, they just got cured.